Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Classic City Crime. I'm Cameron Jay, and guess what? We're here at week eight of Classic City Crime, and we're to the point that many of you have actually been waiting for. A look at who some of the key initial suspects were and what we know about each scenario. I've spent a couple of weeks digging into each possible theory and suspect to narrow it down to find as much accurate information as I possibly could about each person and their relationship to Tara Louise Baker. I've looked for motive, relationships, and I've also consulted with Dr. Parati from episode 7 and others. You know, it's important for you to know as we go forward that everything that I mentioned to you or everything that I let you hear I've at least verified with three different sources, and some of them you're going to hear from directly. I am an advocate of justice, so please bear in mind one thing. I've said this before. I have to say it again. I will do everything in my power to protect those people who I believe to be innocent. If they were on the list of suspects back in 2001, that does not mean they are guilty. We can't hurt the innocent while trying to prove who is guilty of killing Tara Louise Baker, I don't think that's what justice is about. But before we go there, I've got a new bombshell to report from a source who came forward on Tuesday evening that can now be added to our timeline, actually, about the week of Tara's murder. So let's go back to 2001. It was long before Facebook and Instagram were the way to get in contact with someone, or as I've used it for, to find out some information on them, to get in contact. Cell phones were around, but they weren't really advanced, and most everyone had a home phone. So how did someone get in contact with a fellow student, classmate, teacher, or university official back then? Well, they called what was known as the University of Georgia's Directory Assistance Office. The source who came forward says that the office would answer hundreds of calls a day, and online information wasn't really accessible or available, so they would get lots of calls. And it's important to note now that uh, students could restrict their numbers, but the source admitted that the only folks who really did that were people like, you know, um, what would they be? Football players, people that were highly sought after by other people on campus, if you will. So the source happened to be working at the Office of Directory Assistance the week Tara was murdered. And when she heard Tara was murdered over the weekend in the news, she felt that the name sounded familiar. So she returned back to work on Monday, January 21st, and immediately had to look up Tara's name. She wanted to know, why did this name stand out to me? And then it all made sense to her. You see, the directory office had been called the night of or before Tara's murder by a guy trying to find out her number. The source answered that call, actually, and she said the reason she remembers Tara is because the gentleman seemed high and drunk, possibly upset when he called. And the other really weird detail here is he could not get Tara's number right. She had to repeat it to him about seven, eight, maybe nine times. And so I was a little wary at first about this story, but she gave me a really important detail. The source noted that Tara's phone number had a repeating sequence of the number five, and that that was another reason she remembered it. How could this guy not get it right? It had so many fives. It was pretty easy. What was up with this call? Well, I was able to verify something that I'm going to release to all of you tonight. So you know me, I did some digging and I can confirm Tara Baker's phone number, which would have been in the UGA directory in 2001, which was given out by this source to an unnamed man. Tara's number did have a repeating sequence of fives. 
So now we know about this man frantically or possibly high calling the university to try to find out Tara's number. He couldn't get it right, and the source said there were two things that have troubled her all these years, and they're about to trouble you too. Number one, her boss told her not to report this to the university or UGA police, the university or the Athens-Clark County Police Departments, because, well, there was no caller ID, and we can't trace the call, so on, so on. And number two, perhaps the biggest bombshell, this source told me she believes that call had to have come from within the university or could have come from within the university. A student, a staff member, a police officer, the only people who really knew that this service existed back then and would have known to use it would have been someone connected to UGA. Crazy, right? Stories like this keep surfacing every single day, though. I've conducted at least five interviews today before recording time, and I want to encourage all of you to keep talking, keep calling, keep sharing, and most importantly, please stay safe. Who would have known that we would have come this far? Who would have known we would have gotten all of this information? It's really mind-boggling to me sometimes, and I believe with all of my heart that we will find justice for Tara. So who made that call and who was a part of Tara's university community? We're going to discuss one initial suspect that the cops looked at back in 2001 and what I've learned about then. This is episode eight, The Suspects, part one. Tara Baker was in her second semester of her first year at the University of Georgia's School of Law. Side note, shout out to all of the UGA law dogs who have been listening in each week and reaching out with your suggestions and your thoughts. It's really amazing to know that the university crowd is listening in. I super appreciate it. Please continue spreading the word. Um, But actually, some of you urged me to reach out to a few people who are actually still in leadership at your law school now and who were back in 2001. And a few of you even mentioned that they thought they might be willing to chat with me. Well, I did want to let all of you know that unfortunately, once I did get in touch with your professors, they did not want to discuss the matter. Now, Tara was brilliant, and most of that fall in January, she had to spend digging in her books. And as her mom, Virginia, recently told me, it was really the first time in Tara's life that she actually had to study. I remember having that experience when I first moved here to Athens as well. In episode two, you heard from Katie and Eugenia, who were not only in Tara's law class, but were in the same section. So you know that means that they spent a lot of time together, her and the group. And this group also included a young man, and we're going to call him for now Suspect One, the classmate. Here's what I know about Suspect One. He was definitely different, and he was the odd guy in the class. We've all been there, though, haven't we? We all know someone like that. And, you know, I think it's important that we note how we as a society and sometimes how we even personally immediately like to think of those who are different as somehow being bad. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened here, but I did want to just put that thought out there. Suspect One was known to flirt with all of the girls in the class. He was the guy who always wanted to be a part of the crowd, a part of the group. Some people say he would give really weird answers in class that would make people think, goodness, this guy, this guy's a creep. But he would ask Tara out, and honestly, he would ask a lot of girls out, I've come to learn, which of course Tara would politely decline. And he would go to different lengths to impress her and other women in the class. I don't really think this was specific to Tara. Here's some of Tara's law classmates discussing suspect number one. There was a guy that liked her a little too much. 
and he would put on his suit on Fridays and ask her out, and she never went out with him because she had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he didn't ask her out, but he, I don't know. It's hard to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, everybody knew that he liked her. But no, nobody disliked her. She was impossible to dislike, frankly. was always asking her out, and she kept saying, no, I have a boyfriend. So mm-hmm. I think the shock was the shock and yeah i think that occupied my thoughts i think it occupied all of our thoughts mm-hmm. at that time um but slowly i mean i can't the time from that point until like the memorial service and the funeral that we went to mm-hmm. and everything like i just i'm in a i don't i'm in a daze i don't i can't tell you like i went to class i can't mm-hmm. remember a thing that that happened in class mm-hmm. like we were mm-hmm. there we were like zombies um i think it started it started sinking in and putting two and two together with was he the same guy who would like go to the extent of like dressing up on fridays and the suit yeah. that katie mentioned and different things like mm-hmm. that yes did he um do anything in the aftermath that like concerned you or anything like that other than that bandage you're talking about he was always just creepy um mm-hmm. i mean he tried I think in some of the study groups that we were in, like he tried to try to assimilate a little bit into that. Um, he was always a loner and people, not that they made fun of him or bullied him, but I don't know how I want to label it. But sure. he just, there was something about him that just made you want to pause. I like stayed clear of him. Like I just, there was something that just, made me not but Tara was always nice and um, felt bad for him and um, felt sorry for him and well one common theme that like a lot of people say Miss Virginia actually her mom says this a lot is that Tara was the champion of the underdog and whether you were weird or not if if you didn't fit in completely like she was gonna at least be nice and reach out to you and make sure that you found your way Um, is that something you can speak to yeah, I mean, she, you know, like I said, people not made fun of him, but I felt like he was an outcast, but he just, I mean, things that he, like when we were talking about rape and criminal law, like he, the comment that he made still gives me goosebumps that, you know, if the girl, if the woman is wearing revealing clothes and she's asking for it. Um, oh, goodness. <laughs> I get Jeez. goosebumps. I like literally get goosebumps. Mm. Um, and like, <laughs> uh, you know, this is, <laughs> and this wasn't in 2020, <laughs> this was mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like 20 years ago. And he said this very openly, Tara, you know, had to sit next to him because of their last name. And, mm-hmm. um, he would, you know, she missed class one day, he printed off his notes and had them for her. These are the, cre- like, you don't. In a cutthroat environment of law school, like you don't you don't do that. Mm-hmm. You just don't. I mean, and that, that probably speaks really badly of, of lawyers and law school. But I mean, we were friends, friends, and it's like, here, you want my notes? Take my notes. She was my friend, and if she wanted my notes, she knew she had access to them. The same thing with Katie. Um, mm-hmm. Here are my outlines. We were working on outlines. We were sharing outlines and things like that. But to have somebody who isn't 
part of your immediate circle of friends to go out of their way to do that and how he kept asking her out and she was always really nice at saying no Mm -hmm. where we would always tell her just you got to be a little not harsher or mean but you can't be so nice to him. The guard up. Put the guard up. So. Yeah, put the guard up. Like you ha- like you can't put yourself in that position and let him to. And so did the. Um, and did he didn't the... come to. He didn't come to graduation. He didn't do. He never took part in any of the commemorative events that we had in her honor. Um, and he he kind of like tried to blend in and leave. Does that make sense? And that was kind of opposite of what he was before her death? Yeah, he was kind of there and trying to, like, assimilate himself and everything, and then... Did the police reach out to you pretty early on um, to discuss things with you? No. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. No. They waited and took their sweet time. Mm -hmm. There are a lot. I know through Katie, because she was dealing with them more than me, that they made a lot of mistakes. There's certain things that don't add up for me about him, and I just wonder, I just wonder, and I keep going back to him every time I think about it. I just... Yeah. I had another unnamed source who reached out to me who was also in Tara's law school class with these two that you just heard from, and she remembered suspect one as being very odd too, and I'm just going to recap a little bit of our conversation or what I remember about it. She mentioned that he was super odd, that he would, you know, make comments to women, and that one time she might have even mentioned that her and her husband watched this sporty show, and suspect number one said, wow, your husband must be very lucky to have a girl like you who's interested in sports. She remembered being put off by the convo and told him, well, yes, I watched that show with my husband. So what could all of this possibly mean? We have so much to delve into. We have a lot more to talk about about suspect number one. We'll be right back. We often have clients and aging parents who need to go into assisted living or who sadly have passed away and their homes are filled with a lifetime of possessions and sometimes a lifetime of deferred maintenance. That's where the Athens Georgia Homes team with Keller Williams Realty Greater Athens comes in and helps clients prepare their home for sale by sorting through household treasures, getting the right contractors, and completing the job with professionalism and care. Give me a call at 229-869-5734 or visit online at www.athensgorgiahomes.com. Now that we're back, let's get honest with one another here. Does being odd and different or creepy and weird really make one a murderer? Well, of course not. I'm sure there are people out there who think I'm a little odd or different too. And remember, the new bombshell that I reported regarding the man looking for Tara's number. Suspect one would have most likely had Tara's number. I have discovered that. As part of her section in law school, they were studying together and would be together. And as one friend put it, if he had ever asked Tara for her number, which I'm sure he did, the person said, she would have definitely given it to him. I am sure, though, that it was easy for a lot of people in Tara's law class to immediately think suspect one could have been involved. Had he finally grown upset with her lack of reciprocation? Had he been watching her or something like that? 
Well, I never could really find out much about what the police thought about Suspect 1, and you've grown to know probably why I couldn't find out now. But there was an investigator that many of these sources in 2001 said seemed dead set on proving that Suspect 1 had committed the crime. He approached multiple women within Tara's law school to ask for their help in, quote, digging dirt on Suspect 1. I'm going to let you hear this for yourself. Here's Katie and Eugenia, Tara's law school classmates at UGA. I've talked to a number of investigators over the years, but the first pair had this sort of, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but like soap opera approach, you know, they were like, um, you know, trying to get me and this other girl, um, who Tara also knew, um, and I guess, yeah, anyway. Uh, for some reason the two of us to sort of almost spy on the weird kid in the class and see if we could find something out and it was was inappropriate Mm. honestly looking back on it but at the time I was very caught up and emotional and I was like yes I'll do anything but now having been a lawyer for so long and worked in a prosecutor's office (laughs) (laughs) that was really inappropriate Mm. it seems Uh, like talking to people that there were several moments of you know, what you would describe as inappropriate in this investigation, um, whether it be right. the words that were spoken or the attitudes about, you know, questions being asked. Um, it seems like that was a common theme early on. Right. I agree with you. And, you know, knowing what I know now, years later, uh, or over the years, having learned, you know, from her family mm-hmm. or um, et cetera, you know, her parents told me a lot about what they heard about happening at the at the site, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so the whole thing was kind of botched. I mean, I've said this from the beginning, like a pretty basic defense attorney will be able to get whoever did this off just based on the way things were handled. Um, but I really think it's more of an overarching uh, um, buffoonery and, made, you know, I don't want to, I think corruption is too far of a word, but... Mm-hmm poor skills right. of the Athens Police Department in general because um, you probably know there was another woman that was murdered in Athens probably 10 years before uh, before Tara mm-hmm. uh, I think her name was Jennifer White quick interruption here but I did want to let you know who Katie's talking about she's talking about the unsolved murder of Jennifer Stone who was murdered in 1992 the case has yet to be brought to justice by the police department, just like in Tara's case. I'm looking into that case, and I promise to update you more as I learn more about it. Um, and same thing happened, where she was murdered, the police screwed the investigation up, nothing ever happened, it's a cold case. So, at the time, you'll find that in, you'll find that in newspaper articles, um, a lot of people drew comparisons just for that exact reason. Mm. It seems like there was an unwillingness almost to admit this might be a little out of our league. Let's call in someone else to help or let's let's have this outside help come in. It seems like that was something they weren't really open to for a long time. A hundred percent. I mean, the GBI, you know, I approached a GBI guy who came to our school one time and was like, hey, why aren't you helping us? Mm. And, you know, he was like, yeah, no, we, we, we're willing, but they won't, they won't. Well, he said it much more formally, of course he did. Sure. Hmm. But the gist that I got was, we've offered, they won't take our help. Hmm. Hmm. Which, you know, pride, okay, fine. But 
that's that's all small town Georgia, as I'm sure you and I both know. Um, and did they seem interested in the the things that you had to say regarding this classmate and other things about Tara's life, or did it seem that it was just you know another checkbox they had to do? What what was that interaction like for you? Um, I thought it was more they were just checking a box to, and they were like they weren't. I didn't really get the feeling that they were interested in solving this case. Um, they were more interested in like things on her computer or just like her computer. Like, like doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still don't understand what that connection was with the computer, but that's what they were interested in. Now back to the unnamed source who also is very important to this episode. This person also told me that this same investigator from the UGA Police Department came to their home, sat on their porch multiple times, and made them feel extremely uncomfortable, asking for their help in finding evidence against suspect number one. Take a page from his textbook. Look over in his laptop bag and see if he has Tara's laptop. Yes, they really did ask this. So this is kind of what we know about suspect number one, the classmate. I've asked nearly every person I've interviewed what they would say to the killer if they were listening to this podcast. This episode, I'm going to share with you what her classmates said when I asked them that question, and you'll hear from others as we go along. These were some of the most chilling answers, but here's what Katie had to say to the killer if they're listening. If you could say anything to the person still out there who took your friend from you, is there anything that you would say to them? Oh, boy. I don't think they deserve my time, Hmm. you know? And I, Tara's not the kind of person who would want you to hold on to enough anger like that. Um, I mean, I do, obviously, but uh, I don't think there's anything that you can say to somebody who would deliberately kill somebody that good mm-hmm. that would matter to them. It just, you know, right. they're not going to feel guilt or sad or terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they haven't confessed to somebody else in 20 years, I think that's evidence enough of that. Eugenia had some words, too. I mean, it would be great for her family to have closure. I mean, I can't, I just, you know, I I can't even think of what that, I can't even think of what that's like. I just, I mean, as a parent, I just, I think it would kill me. Um, I, so I think for for her mom, I think and her sister and her brothers i think mm-hmm. i think it would be good for them right i think knowing and having that closure that this horrible act of violence against their amazing daughter that mm-hmm. the perpetrator finally finally gets punished for it now as you know i always like to bring these episodes right back to the baker family I asked Miss Virginia early on about Suspect One and if she had ever heard Tara mention this person or if she had ever heard the police mention them as a possible suspect. I think she was a little uncomfortable with this particular person. 
-hmm. that she felt he was very intelligent and that he was somewhat of an outcast and Tara always wanted to be kind to everybody and make sure everybody was included. Mm -hmm. So I think she was happy to have him in the study group, but she said he kind of made her uncomfortable and every time they would meet, he would be the first one to get there and the last one to leave, and that made her uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and I know she called me, and when we were talking on the phone just a few days before she was murdered, that was one of the things she mentioned to me, and mm-hmm. that he just made her feel uncomfortable. and She felt sorry for him, but she was getting to the point of being uncomfortable. And you say that the police never really mentioned him to you that often? They never brought him up very often at all. Um, They did say they were a little cautious about questioning him because he obviously knew about law. Mm -hmm. And because I had, I do believe that they did, at our request, manage to search. The place where he was living, I don't. I guess they got a search warrant, and it seems like they, if I remember correctly, they said nothing out of the ordinary turned up. But they did tell me that he had a. The other classmates noticed that morning that he had a cut on his hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's really all I know about him. I. I just, I don't know. It's hard to know if a person is that evil without having personal contact with them. I was able to make contact, actually, with Suspect One this week, and after telling him who I was, he did pause for a moment before kindly declining my request for an interview. And this is where the podcast comes into play, where you come into play. If you've been listening and you feel like you've never been heard by someone, if you feel like you've tried to have someone look at something you have to say, well, I am in town and I'm here for you. You can always contact me on our website at www.classiccitycrime.com. Next time on Classic City Crime, Tara wasn't just a student. She was a daughter, a sister, and yes, she was a girlfriend as well. Had something gone wrong in Tara's relationship? Where was her boyfriend when all of this happened? All of this and more next Thursday for The Suspects Part 2. I'm Cameron J. Thanks for tuning in. Classic City Crime is hosted by me, Cameron J., co-produced and designed by Kyle Kazaya. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Classic City Crime. Sign up for our Classic City Crimes Insider List and learn more about this case at ClassicCityCrime.com. For story tips on the Tara Baker story, email us at ClassicCityCrime at gmail.com or call our tip line at 706-534-0025.